Ladies and gentlemen, This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brent Barry, and the men's basketball season is over. <laughs> As we record this, we're recording on Tuesday, March 2nd, Arizona last night, so Monday night lost to Oregon 80-69 to to finish their season. There will be no extra games, and that's that. So one of the strangest seasons in Arizona men's basketball history has come to an end. There's a lot of questions left to be answered, and we don't have the answers as we're recording. Um, but Brett, it's, uh, you put on the Wildcat Radio Twitter account at Wildcat Radio AZ, like send us your reaction in GIF form, right? GIF, GIF, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I sent back the, from the Lord of the Rings with Frodo being like, it's done because that's how I feel. I'm not upset. I'm not relieved. It's like, yeah, okay. It's over. That's that. Yeah. I'd like to say first, uh, you know, we're getting back to a sense of normalcy where Arizona men's basketball ends in March with a loss <laughs> as opposed to last year. So, um, yeah. Hey, nature's healing. Also, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Arizona lost 80 to 69. The nicest nice. thing was that they, I was going to say the nicest thing was they finished with 69 points. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it. I, th- I think you're right. It's over, though. I think you're. Well, your, I am right. It gift. is over. Yes, that we can all agree <laughs> yeah. on. I think. I hope. Fact, fact check. True. <laughs> Not exactly a hot take. <laughs> um, I mean the the Frodo Baggins kind of exhaustion of getting rid of the ring maybe is. I I actually feel like this season was less of a trudge than in past years. Um, probably almost every season since the cloud came over. You know, it's been it's each season has felt like a struggle, whether it's, you know, getting players to play together or there's just the the weight of the, you know, ESPN articles, FBI investigations, et cetera, guys playing for the NBA. I would I would actually contend this season was more pleasant to watch as a basketball you know, fan, knowing that well we didn't know exactly when the end was going to be because they may have still tried to add games in. Um, <laughs> and even the Oregon game was added on, you know, from the narrative perspective, it's kind of funny that I think people's perspective on the season would have been different had it ended with the USC game. And now they got Oregon added on. Who's one of the top, probably two, certainly top three teams in the pack. And they got roundly beaten by a good team. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that brings, <laughs> That brings out the uh, the negative side of the Arizona fan base and the, the people that are anti Sean Miller, right? But it is in fact over. <laughs> well, yeah, and one <laughs> this season, and to your point, I would say, I mean, the DeAndre Ayton year, they were really good, but they probably should have been better. Got smoked in the first round by Buffalo, and that was incredibly frustrating, disappointing. Probably one of Sean Miller's most difficult seasons for myriad reasons. The year after that, the team just wasn't as good. They missed the tournament. They struggled they got to a decent start but they just did not have the horsepower then last season of course they were decent 
pretty good team last year, and they would have made the tournament had their bid one, but obviously they underachieved a lot of people's expectations. This year's team finished 17-9, and 11-9 and in the Pac-12. Obviously not a great record, but about where people expected them to be. And maybe it's the high end of where they expect how they got there with the freshmen being, you know, James Akinjo being really good, Azulis Tubelis being really, really good, Ben Matherin being better than you thought he'd be. Um, one thing I found interesting because it was on December 28th when Arizona beat Colorado 88-74 to go to 7-1. and It was after that game where they were ruled, where they had the self-imposed postseason ban. So they were 7 so they finished 10-8 and after the ban, after the self-imposed ban. And at that time when they did the ban, we're like, okay, well, how's this team going to react? You know, are they going to keep playing hard? Are they going to stay together? Are they going to start playing for themselves? And I think what we do know is they never started playing for themselves. This team played hard. They weren't always the best. They struggled. They lost a couple games, and you could argue they should have beat Stanford at least one of the times. They played terrible at Utah. They could have beat Colorado on the road. They probably should have beat Oregon at home. You know, they had some losses. We're like, yeah, they could have won those games. Those are winnable games. But they also, outside of USC, didn't beat anyone they weren't supposed to beat. So... They finished, I think, I think like fifth in the Pac-12 right now, which is about where they were predicted to go to finish. Like That's the upper half of the conference, but obviously not where Arizona wants to be. To your point, the narrative, they beat USC, num- then number 17 USC, then came home and beat Washington State. They didn't play great, but they won that game by 16. Then they beat Washington at home on senior day. It took basically a buzzer-beater shot by Azulis Tabellas. Arizona did not play well in that game. They were lucky to escape with a win, but hey, it's a win. Then they go to Oregon, a much better Oregon team. And lose eight to sixty nine. I I remember when I was watching the post game press conference and someone asked if Miller if they were playing their best basketball at the end of the season because like they won three of their last four and like that's I don't know how you can say because they beat outside the USC game like Washington State and Washington were not good. You're supposed to beat them and then you're supposed to lose at Oregon. You know, so I don't know if they were playing their best basketball, but I think it's probably fair to say, given all the circumstances that surround this team, the postseason ban, the freshmen. The injuries, Daniel Bacher never played. Jamal Baker got hurt early in the season. Kirk Carissa couldn't play until the last month of the year. That this team probably maxed out its talent and perhaps got slightly more out of its talent than it had than it could have because, again, Akinjo was probably better than advertised. Tubelis was better than advertised. Ben Matherin was better than advertised and expected. So 17 wins with this roster is not bad. It's not what you want from Arizona, of course. But it's not anything to look at and say, well, that team underachieved. Is that fair? I think on balance, that's a fair take. I don't know if I would go so far as to say they maxed out. Um, I think they maxed out from the beginning of the season when there was so many question marks, what you could reasonably hope for or expect. Because I think back to what you know, what happens with this team if if Jamal Baker stays healthy all season or if Kirk Carissa is able to play from the jump or, you know, Ben Matherin came on real strong and then kind of, kind of had up and down throughout the well, last, especially the last freshman. Month. Yeah. Um, Daniel Bacho not playing. We still don't like that. We, we had more questions than we had answers about this roster coming into the season. So I think in terms of maxing out what you could hope for, I think that's about right. They beat who you would want them to beat in general. And they lost to the teams you'd expect them to lose to in general. There's a few exceptions. Like ASU generally was an underperforming roster for their talent. I think USC in preseason, some people had them lower than they probably should have been knowing the talent they had on that roster. But that's a good team. You know, the the, the big takeaway for me, for me is 
a lot of those question marks, you have more of an answer. James Akinjo, some there's a lot of doubt about James Akinjo. I I think you and I were both pretty big on the uh, James Akinjo bandwagon early. I'll tell you what, the last several games he looked damn good. Oh, one uh, of the best like point guards in the conference. You know, and he was doing a lot. You know, a lot of the offense was running through him um, in his kind of like poking and prodding the defense and his mm-hmm. ability to shoot, but also as a facilitator. Uh, and that helped in those times where um, I, I I personally feel like Sean Miller actually loosened like loosened up the offense that I used to complain about. I feel like there was more set plays run for this team than there has been in past years, which was an interesting thing for me to see because that used to be one of my biggest criticisms was like you're just running a motion offense until the clock runs down and then somebody gets a shot. They seem to run more plays with the intention of being attacking and maybe that's what shows up in the offensive statistics no they finished or they're 19th in ken palm for adjusted offense which is considering you have what uh 90 new roster this year that's not bad well and and, and, but that's it when you look when we looked at this team going into the season and again this was a season that we thought they'd be eligible for the postseason no one knew they were gonna self-impose like do that self-imposed ban but there were a lot of questions, a lot of new faces. I think they had three guys return from last season that played any minutes last year. Is what Miller said, like Ira Lee, Jamal Baker, and why am I blinking on one more of them? Coloco, actually. How could I forget about Christian Coloco? But, like, that's that's it. There were so many new faces, and some who didn't get to play all season. Some who didn't get to play till the last month. Some who played for the little, you know, Baker had played some, and then he was out, and... Other teams missed time and had that clickiness due to COVID. And credit to Arizona, they did not miss any games due to their own COVID issues. They did a really good job with that. But they still had a lot of things thrown at them that could ruin any kind of momentum and ruin any kind of flow. And like this will naturally transition to Sean Miller. As of now, his contract has still not been extended. He has not been let go. So his still he's still up in the air. But this team stayed together. And I don't know if there were any games that you could say they totally quit. You know, there were games where they just lost bad. <laughs> like, it happened against UCLA on the road. It happened against Oregon to finish the season. Arizona was in both those games at halftime, and then in the second half just couldn't hang. They just could not. Those were teams that were shooting lights out. They could not keep up, and that was that. But Miller, I know, said after the game that he this was the most, like, he really enjoyed coaching this team, like the most fun team he's ever coached. And Maybe he has to say that because it's the most recent team he's ever coached and he wants them all to come back and he wants to be back and give the impression that, hey, things are going in the right direction. Keep me around. But I don't look at the, this season. There are a lot of them we've looked and say, oh, man, that team, that should have been better. Like, that was disappointing. I'm not disappointed in this team. I'm disappointed in the season because there's no postseason for them. But that's not because of them. That's not their fault. But otherwise, they were entertaining. They were in some games. They were in some close games. They had some cool moments. Tubelas had the game winner against Washington, had the game winner against ASU. You know, we got to see Akinjo make some big plays. Ben Matherin really came on. It's like I'm not disappointed in the season or disappointed in this team, even if the season is kind of disappointing for completely unrelated reasons. And that points to Miller where he, like I said, I think he got about as much out of this team as he could have or as any coach could have, which – Either that's a credit to him or it's a slight to him because the team wasn't good enough to be better. Either way, like to your point, the offense was pretty good this year. And that's been a big complaint about Miller in the past, and maybe he got the right mix of players or he's adjusted and grown enough to loosen things up a little bit and have one of the best offenses in college basketball. Now, the flip side is the defense was a mess. But you could argue the defense was a mess because they had so many freshmen and new players. So I, 
if this was a if this was a season, if we knew Sean Miller was coming back and we knew the tournament was going to be on the table next season, this would be looked at easily as a transition season. You'd be happy with it because they have a lot of players who are going to be coming back or most likely coming back. You're like, oh, they could build off of this. But I think what's in people's minds and why it's hard to really take that approach is because you don't know if they're building off of this. You don't know if the coach will be back. You don't know which players will be back. You don't know if the postseason is going to be an option next season. So it's kind of like, okay, it happened, but what does it mean? Yeah, I think you're I think you're right that Sean Miller I think genu- he genuinely enjoyed coaching this team as much as I could expect a team that finished in like what the 80s for Ken Palm defense. <laughs> um, cuz you know that just destroys him. Yes. Um it, it you know in a weird way I think the lack of a postseason and some of the uncertainty almost it's almost f- maybe freeing for Sean Miller and the players and the fans to just enjoy things for what they are and be in that moment rather than worrying about the future a little bit. But then you all, you know, this whole roster was built for really next year and the year after it to a large extent. Right. Seems like it. Um, and so that's a challenge. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny cause this year was, you know, people have critic there's, there's critics of Sean Miller. Uh, there's, there's fanboys of Sean Miller and there's critics of Sean Miller. And I, I think most of them are full of it. <laughs> Basically, they just go with whatever the recent outcome backfills to get their narrative. Because uh, I, I'm not really in either camp. I think it's like a political argument. I think they're both wrong, <laughs> um, and therefore I'm hated by everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like the like, it's 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 hard to to know how to feel other than like a vague sense of excitement, but that uncertainty with the NCAA. And Sean Miller's status lingers out there. Uh, you know, Sean Miller's status, like I think you you wrote about, we've talked about last week or the week before, it's got to get resolved sooner rather than later, or it's to no one's benefit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the reality is that whatever happens there, you know, you could, you could have a completely different roster if they all are here for Sean Miller and you have somebody else come in. It could be, you know, another complete transition well, here. If you thought, if... Well, if you knew they were going to run it back, like say the only people who leave, I think Ira Lee, he tweeted out that that was his last game against Oregon, so he's not coming back. Let's say Terrell Brown is not coming back because he's going to just go on in his professional career. But everyone else, key players who could come back, comes back. James Akinjo, I guess he said after the game that he's not even thinking about his future. It's like, it's hard to imagine him going pro. I mean, if he just chooses to go pro, then good for him. Like, But he, he was excellent for them. He doesn't owe Arizona anything. But let's just say for the sake of this exercise that everyone who you're thinking should come back does come back. If you knew that was the case and you knew Miller was coming back and you knew the postseason was going to be an option next season, how would you feel about what you just saw in 2020, 2021? In that, in that scenario, I feel uh, significantly positive about, 2020 and going into 2021 because yeah. i think i saw enough i saw enough growth from james akinjo ben matherin dalen terry showed more confidence down the stretch even if his shot was still kind of half broke but he seemed more confident out there like you know a guy that has the ability to become a better defender but it's hard when you're a freshman and have low confidence mm-hmm. you know ben matherin surprises on offense but is not living up his to, to his potential on defense if jamal baker comes back that's another key guard kirk carissa with you know, another year of physical maturity and experience. 
you know, he's physically limited on defense, but he's a pest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, effort You'd is hate him if he's on another team. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Christian Coloco, you know, had some of his best games in the last week, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, he's he's still developing. Jordan Brown came on strong towards the end of the season. He, he responded so well to the benching. Azulis Tabellis was a different player at the end of the year than he was at the beginning of the year. Plus, you have commits coming in on the perimeter. You know, the, the real... The real challenge for this Arizona roster defensively all year has been on ball defense, right? Like, it's not like team defense. It's not even the pack line. It's not having a shot blocker at the back with Christian Coloco because he's he's there, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is Arizona's roster had guys that were getting beat off the dribble by the guy in front of them, you know? And if you don't have five-star talent, uh, that's hard to if, if they're not a, if they're not a surefire first round NBA pick athletically and size wise, it's hard for most freshmen to be great on ball defenders against experienced college players. So to expect that is a little bit you know foolhardy. Now, can some of those guys like Dalen Terry and Ben Matherin and even you know Kirk Carissa be develop into at least average to maybe even above average or well above average defenders? Sure. And then you got the young guys coming in. That maybe one of those guys can also develop into. And a they're guarded stuff. like long guards and wings yeah. who could, in theory, f- if they come in and they know that their way to playing getting on the court is playing hard defense. And we think Miller is trying to retreat to that style again. You know, multi-year guys and players who can play defense. Like if you have your offensive guys now, if you bring in guys who can defend and be specialists at least in their freshman season, then you plug those holes. Exactly, and that's. If I look at the growth of the players on the roster, and that the guys coming in, you know, are there still a little bit of, is there still a little bit of uncertainty? Sure. Do you know if there's a true, you know, I don't know if there's a superstar on that team, but there's a lot of guys that can be, you know, pushing Pac-12 uh, all-conference. You know, if Ben Matherin is a sophomore, James Akinjo is probably an all-conference player this year. Certainly, oh, he warrants at a it. minimum, at a, at a minimum, he's going to be an honorable mention or second team, right? Um so, you know, if you if you look at that, I, you know, you see a little bit of somewhere along the, you know, Villanova Gonzaga model of trying to build guys without necessarily lottery picks, even though Ben Matherin, I think, has that potential. Oh, yeah. Um, so with all of that growth, the guys coming in, the way the roster fits together, as we kind of saw, I feel generally really good about it. And another, you know, interesting point I would take is from this season that not I don't think got talked about enough throughout the year. Sean Miller was way more willing to change what he was doing offensively and defensively than he has been in his entire tenure at Arizona, maybe even back to Xavier. Like he was running zone defenses regularly, partially out of necessity, I think, but sometimes strategically. You know, he cha- he would change up the offense a bit. You know, I think he had tr- entrusted James Akinjo to if he if he wasn't running set plays to kind of dictate things. You know, there's you know, five years ago, people were complaining that Sean Miller would never run his own. And then he, then he runs his own. And then people complain about the defense. Um, <laughs> you know, moral of the story, people are Arizona fans are going to complain unless the wins are there. Right. Yeah. But and, from what and you, so you were saying, oh, like, if, if everything was just a normal season, this just happened. And you knew next season was going to be that. So you're like, yeah, this was a good, really good transition year. And Miller mentioned that too, after the Oregon game, he's like, after, the great run they had, like with McConnell and them, and the DeAndre Ayton, you know, that kind of ended, and what they've gone through for the last few seasons. 
that this year was a nice bridge year to get to the next iteration of the you know the next great Arizona basketball team. But of course, that's all hypothetical. We don't know which players are coming back. We don't know if Miller's going to come back. We don't know if if all of them come back. If this team's going to be that good, you know, we can think that because it's one of the first times in a long time we can look at an Arizona team and be like, huh, they're going to have sophomores and juniors. What's that like? Like, we have it in our heads that if players come back for multiple years, all of a sudden they must be that much better, and it doesn't necessarily work that way, but it's this new concept for all of us. Like, well, they have to get better, right? Isn't that, isn't that what happens when a player comes back for their sophomore year? They improve? <laughs> I mean, Adam, you're, you write about Arizona basketball regularly. Do you even remember how to spell sophomore? <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe there's a silent Q in there, but, like... <laughs> No, I mean, so it's, we we can say that it's all hypothetical, and that's something like, we're going to talk about Sean Miller's situation too again this week after this break because we obviously there's a lot more to go into. But you just look at this; everything is a hypothetical with this team, and you can make yourself really excited about the future based on what happened this season. If you want to say, "Hey, look at all the freshmen; they come back." Azus Tubelis, how many freshmen of the week did he win? Akinjo was an all-conference point guard. That's a great building block. Jordan Brown coming off the bench. Coloco will come back. He came in his own, Dale and Terry, Ben Matherin. Yeah, this team could be loaded. And I saw people, I think Aaron Torres, one of the big national college best guys, saying like, this is a top 15 team next year if everybody comes back. That's, that's an easy progression to make with what we saw. That, yes, if everybody comes back, this is a top 15 team. But it's still an assumption, and there's a lot that has to happen before that's the case. And if that doesn't happen, if guys leave, Miller's fired or resigns or whatever happens, Miller's not back, players depart, then this whole last season would feel like it was for naught. You know, that it was like, okay, what? it's a transition year to what? You know, if it's just a starting over again next year, it's going to feel a lot different than it does at this exact moment on March 2nd. So, right, Brett, let's, let's take a break because, yeah, a big part of what is going to happen next season is the status of the head coach, Sean Miller. Will he be back? Will he be gone? Should he be back? Should they move on? Let's talk about it after the break. Okay, we're back. And <laughs> we talked about it last week, the dilemma that is Sean Miller's contract, where he has one year after this past season. So as of now, we could just, I don't know when his contract officially is, but he's got one year left on his contract. And coaches do not go into seasons with one year left on their contract. If you don't understand why, it's basically when you're a lame duck, it could be used against you recruiting. Players may not listen to you like, well, you're not going to be back next season. I will be. So why would I listen to you? It's just it's an untenable situation. Uh, again, we're recording on March 2nd, on Tuesday. It's possible by the time you listen to this, some movement will have been made. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, something has changed. But if you're asking me, I wrote something for AZ Desert Swarm, and I think essentially a two-year extension that would make it a three-year contract is the right way to go, just because you have this roster. Assume they all come back in our previous segment. If they all come back, let Miller run it back with this squad and hope to buy yourself a little bit of time in terms of the IARP, you know, the review board, to decide what's going to happen with you. When I say that two-year extension, the caveats are you have to have really easy buyouts where if something comes out and you say, we need to move on from this guy, you're not spending any money to get rid of him. In fact, maybe you recoup some money because you can't, you can't hit your wagon to Sean Miller as steadfastly as you did before. You just can't right now, but you should probably keep riding with him at least for the short term. 
Yeah, you mentioned the IARP. We're going to be in the AARP by the time they finish, <laughs> aren't? Am I right? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, I mean, you're you're right. Like it's we talked about it last week. It's it is to literally no one's benefit except for maybe the NCAA if they're just wanting to inflict maximum damage without passing a judgment by ex- delaying any further, and that and that includes the kids and on the on the team right mm-hmm. and the guys that are interested in coming to arizona uh and all and all of the assistant coaches on sean miller's staff for that matter um you know i think it, it, the 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 logical person uh would probably do what you're saying of like extend for two three years with massive uh you know financial penalties to sean miller personally uh, minimal buyouts, you know, easy for or you know, easy outs if there is deemed just cause, or if he is suspended, it's some like you know, some language like they did with his last contract reworking. Um, you know, the cynic in me kind of half assumes that as soon as Arizona and Sean Miller, uh, if he if they extend his contract, that's when the IARP will say, "Yep, we have our hearing scheduled the next <laughs> Monday now," because they're just like <laughs> trying to kind of do what they did with Alonzo Trier's drug test and just kind of have a shadow half season ban because it was either a full season or zero season. Yeah. Um, and they kind of just slow rolled it is my read on that whole situation. But yeah, it, it, I think it also begs the question of who's making the call in all of this. Um, is it, is it the boosters? Is it athletic director Dave Hickey? Is it Bobby Robbins or is it, or, you know, does some combination of that three present an offer to Sean Miller that he can't, you know, instead of the offer he can't refuse, the offer he can't accept and then get him to resign? Well, and then you have the Arizona Board of Regents, too, who has to approve yeah. whatever contract you come up with. It's, <laughs> I wish I knew, if I, I wish I could be 100% confident in any opinion I have on what they should do with Sean Miller. I can't be because you can look at this so many different ways. If you just look at the investigation aspect, the FBI stuff, the whatever sanctions may be coming down, which who knows when that would happen, if it'll happen, then you probably should have fired him three years ago, you know, when this all first came out. You maybe could have saved yourself a lot of heartbreak if you just would have moved on when this stuff came out. Like, obviously, Book Richardson testified. He was in prison. So something did happen. Now, Miller's involvement could be debated, but something did happen under his watch. So if you want to be like, well, that's cause enough, then you move on three years ago, which is why I was having, they haven't extended his contract since then. But... If you want to do it for on-court performance, it's hard to argue that the last two years haven't been an improvement on the year that preceded them. And you can make the case that the last two years, especially with the cloud of what's going on, has been fairly impressive. Now, is it Arizona standards? Absolutely not. You know, it's absolutely not what Arizona should be expecting. But Sean Miller kind of made the case for himself after the Oregon game, and you can make the case for him that, yeah, they got things going in the right direction. And if that's true, then why would you get rid of them based on on-court performance? Because they weren't bad this season, and they're probably getting better. So I don't know how, <laughs> what the reason, if you're going to fire him, I, I guess I don't like any of the reasons to let him go right now. That's what I'm saying. Because if it's because of the FBI stuff, it's three years too late. It's because of its on-court performance, and I think it's premature. I guess, so I, I guess, I'm, I mean, I, I wrote it on Easy Desert Swim. I hope you all read the article, but I'm team extension with caveats yeah and i i think i'm there with you and i i generally agree with everything you just said and that's where it's like you know yeah should arizona be 
better as a program, sure. Uh, that being said, if you go flashback to, what was it, 20, what, 2017, 18, when the ESPN story and everything broke, um, if you had told me that Arizona would have the seasons and rosters they've had the last several years, you know, I would have been thankful as an Arizona fan to be with this year's roster and this team looking forward to next year this far out. And I think we've actually exceeded expectations. And, you know, but for that, you know, who knows what happens to Arizona's roster? They lost an entire recruiting class. So there's there's so many things there. And I think the thing that always is a challenge for me is I get the frustration of people that are like, it's under his watch, right? And, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cut through it and be like, guess what? Every single college program of every sport cheats and they all do it down to like women's softball at, you know, small universities. <laughs> right. Um, but they, they know how to, the, the, the coaches also know how to not be a party to that, or it's, you know, to, they, they have at, 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 they keep enough distance where it's, they only have a vague understanding of what's going on at most because it's plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that the the thing that I get would get frustrated with personally is that I don't think you fire somebody when there's you know, if you're looking at the ESPN article, I think that's almost comp- completely BS. Not if the, you're looking at the, the ESPN <laughs> article, you fired him three years ago. Well, but, but then do you fire somebody for something that is you're fairly confident is not at all factually accurate, right? Well, and, unless you looked back over the last few years and realized it was accurate, in which case he should have been fired a long time ago. Well, yeah, so that's what I keep coming it, back to. That I think. And I think at the end of the day, the people that are in the fire Sean Miller crowd are just angsty that he hasn't been to a Final Four. <laughs> and they're and like, you look at the Blue Bloods this year. You know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. You know, how's Duke doing? How's North Carolina doing? How's Kentucky doing? <laughs> yeah, but like, but the counter to that is also Mike Shashevsky, Roy Williams, John Calipari have been to Final Fours, have won national yep. championships where they're at whereas Scheimler does not have that in his back pocket. Yeah, and, you know, Jabil Horn's three goes down. I think he has a lot longer leash. Or, sure. you know, any any of those other, t- you know, win one of those Wisconsin games, right? Well, if Brandon um, Ashby doesn't break his foot, Arizona wins the national championship that year. I'm convinced of that. Yeah, and, like, it doesn't, you know, it's a results-based industry, and so to some extent I understand, like, the on-court argument, but then it's like, you know, to some extent, I always come back to the guy that followed up Tom Osborne's run at Nebraska, went 10 and two, and they said, that's not good enough. You're fired. Was that Bill Callahan? Um, like, I I actually looked it up the other day. It is not Bill. I think he was the guy after that guy. Uh, um, I'm blanking on the name. Solich? Now. Was it Solich? Maybe. Why do I even know Nebraska football coaches? I don't care about Nebraska football coaches. <laughs> I don't care about Nebraska at all, the college or the state. <laughs> Send your reviews from uh, Nebraska. It was Frank podcast. Solich and then Bill Callahan. Jeez, Adam, what? why do I know that? Oh, boy. You, you live your life, Adam. Welcome to Husker um, Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. This is Brett Barry. You know, and it's that so that – and I'm on the record that I think college basketball has diverted from the way college football is. I think college football, the rich have gotten richer. And I think in college basketball, the parody is the norm by, by the nature of the way that the, those, those sports have gone at the college level. 
And so, like, to some extent, I think Arizona fans that are angsty or just angsty because they haven't been to a Final Four, let alone won a championship. Um, and I and I think all of the holier-than-thou stuff would go away if they had been to one recently. Oh, <laughs> like, I, I agree with that. Not to be a complete that. cynic. Winning cares uh, all else. Like, it on, does. And honestly, if the season ended after the USC game, I think a lot of the fire Sean Miller takes are reduced or kept quiet because that's not part of the narrative. And you know how much I hate a narrative, but I, I think I think that's the reality of a lot of it. And it's it's almost like all of those. I I, I get a little. There's a sense that if it's a firing, it's less about any one thing and more just the amalgamation of all the frustration and they're like we don't want to deal with it anymore whether it's right or wrong and that's kind of a silly reason to fire him in my mind um is it I, I don't think he forgot how to i don't but like could you, I mean, it all they, adds up right it's like death by a thousand yeah. paper cuts like it does all add up sean miller for the longest time was the best coach to not reach a final four which he had company there I forget who Wisconsin's coach was that beat Arizona a couple of times. Bo Ryan. Bo Ryan. He was in that group, right? Bennett at Virginia, um, right? At Villanova was kind of in that group, too. They always fell apart in the tournament until they started winning those coaches. But being the best coach to not make a Final Four only gets you so far because sooner or later, you either have to make a Final Four or maybe you're not as good of a coach. And for Sean Miller's, like, his problem is the year before – Everything broke. They made a Sweet 16 with a team that was better than anyone expected, the Larry Markin and Kobe Simmons, Raleigh Alkins, Alonzo Trier team. And they got to the Sweet 16 and choked a game away against Xavier in the Sweet 16. Now, they probably they should have won that game. They probably got beat badly by Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. But at least they would not have lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to. Every other tournament exit he had, you could argue, I guess the Wichita State won the first round was kind of like, eh. But that also wasn't the best Arizona team. People were still kind of weird about that. And so we became friends, actually, was that game. Funny how that works. But the Xavier game was the first one. You're like, oh, wow. Like, that was a game they should have won, especially because the way they lost it. And it's been all downhill since there. So when you look at Sean Miller, yeah, it's the amalgamation of the FBI stuff, of the heartbreak in the tournament, of the disappointing seasons. And the question is, is he the guy to get them back to that level? And this season could have proved as like, yeah, he could be because this team, like a lot of people were thinking, is top 15 preseason next year if everybody comes back. Doesn't mean they are that good, but the expectations will be back next season if everyone comes back, which is fine. We, It's Arizona. They should have those expectations. But I think it's not any one thing. It is a collection of everything that's gone on, which makes you wonder if he's capable of getting them there. And I can't – I don't know if you can. Like, I can't for sure say yes. He's the guy to get Arizona to a Final Four because, one, he's never been to a Final Four, and, two, the last few seasons have been nowhere close to a Final Four. But I also can't say for certain that there's no chance of that ever happening because I do think he knows how to coach. I do think he knows how to recruit. And if you can do those two things, you should have a chance to get to a Final Four. Yeah, I mean, well, nobody can confidently say that Sean Miller is or isn't the guy to get the this Arizona Wildcats to the, the Final Four, right? You just don't know. And it's really hard. Like, that's the other thing Like people don't, I don't think, appreciate. It's the March Madness bracket... The dirty secret is the best teams rarely make the final. Four. Well, and that's the thing too. You compare it to football, <laughs> the NCAA, like March, like winning a Pac-12 title that means something, right? But Arizona hasn't finished first in the Pac-12 since 2018 with the Andre Ayton year. The NCAA tournament's a crapshoot, and they also won the Pac-12 tournament that year. You know, things that are less of a crapshoot. To win the Pac-12, you have to be good all season long. You have to beat other good teams, 
Arizona finished 11 and 9 in a Pac-12 this year that no one's going to say was very good. They were 10 and 8 last year in a Pac-12 that no one's going to accuse of being really good. 8 and 10 the year before that. So yeah, I I don't necessarily judge them on the final fours because like yes, that's the goal. Not even just the final four, win a national championship. I don't know why we love the semifinals. But you know, it's if you look at the Pac-12, they haven't been good enough. And Miller mentioned that after the Oregon game that 11-9 is not good enough for Arizona and where they've been. But so when you're looking at it, it's like, yeah, like if you just ignore, if move the tournament, like the heartbreak and all that, just judge them by their regular seasons, they've been very mediocre for the last three. And, yes, those three coincide with the FBI stuff and with the recruiting classes falling apart and all that. But I keep coming back to, can you confidently say that he's the guy to turn things around? If you can't confidently say that, maybe it is time, because of them, the FBI stuff, to move on. Because you move on with him because you are sure he's the guy. Like, and, I, and I'm still, again, I'm still on team extension because I think this recruiting, I think the team they have this season and the recruiting class could be very good, and I'm willing to see it through. But I can easily talk myself into if you do not, if you are not sure he's the guy, then he's not worth the baggage. He's not worth that dark cloud that's over the program. You know, like that's, I think that's a yeah. way you could look at this and be correct, even if I'm not looking at it that way myself. No, I, th- I think that's all fair. And I think in the absence of a Final Four or a national championship, Sean Miller is a Rorschach test for what it, you see whatever you want to see out of it, right? Uh, and that's and that's where I kind of think everybody sees what they want to see and takes it to too much of an extreme. I think you're having a very reasonable take. I'm you know, debating my, myself, apparently. Is what well, it sounds like I've gone back and forth in my own head. Well, and like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give a not really a hot take but my take is i actually think sean miller is a better coach of a roster like as a basketball coach a better coach of this roster than a roster of five stars like calipari is i think a better master of managing those egos than sean miller is now you know sean miller's defense with raw athletes you have hollis jefferson and aaron gordon and nick johnson on the court together guess what you're gonna have an elite defense no matter who the coach is right um but I don't know, you know, I think over the last, if I had a better, my my more, in my mind, a more legitimate criticism of Miller is, you know, the, the Raleigh Alkinses, the, you know, the Nico Mannions, a lot of those five-star type guys that he got, I don't know if he reined in their egos enough to actually, get to, to, to effectively coach them. And maybe he overpromised them of like, you know, Nico, you're going to get 15 jumpers to show off for the NBA. I, I don't know. But it seems like there was a left turn in the last year or two. And I actually think that he's a better coach of this type of roster. Now it's just a question of whether he gets to, you know, develop this roster in his image. Because this roster is more like a, a higher end talent version of his Xavier teams, right? Do you like, think he's turned this way because he needed to, because he decided he wanted to, or because he had to? I guess is a better yes. way. And and that's the thing. Cause like, I, think it's almost, it was, I think it's all of those things. He's no it's, dummy. It's almost like, though, we're saying, and this is me again debating myself, that we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he finally has a roster that he can, build, he can coach because of a situation that he created that led to him having to need a roster that will take more time that he could potentially coach. You know, without the FBI stuff, this was the way they went. We'd be like, well, this was a change in recruiting. It didn't pan out. Oh, well, it's time to move on. But because of the FBI, I think it's almost like a crutch in that, yeah, well, it's the best he can do given the circumstances. But these are circumstances that he in part created. So, like, I, 
I, I, and again, I'm still, I would extend him for two more years if he's willing yeah. to take that with the caveats and with the out clauses for the school to say, nope, we're done. We don't owe you anything. But I totally understand anyone who says it's time. He's not the guy. He's shown that through a multitude of ways. Find someone better. And I don't know if they can find anyone better. You know, I don't know. It's still a desirable job, even with whatever could be coming down. It's, you know, it's a big time job in the Pac-12. And I've never been one that says, don't fire a guy because you're afraid you can't do better. You owe it to yourself to try. If you think you need to do better, try and do better. But I, oh, man, this is a, it's a, I understand why it hasn't been done yet because this is very difficult conversations. I, again, I'm having this conversation with myself and I can't even come to an agreement, you know, <laughs> so I understand why the school and Miller may be struggling to figure out what to do next. Yeah. And I, I think that's all fair and reasonable, but at some point, you got to like remove, you know, remove the, 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 as much as you can, the boosters, the, who, who, I don't know. Well, this was to go back to who's making the call. Right. And I don't know. I don't know if we really know. I don't, if you read some of the stuff on the boards, it doesn't seem like Kiki necessarily gets his way on things all the time, but we don't know if that's accurate. Right. right. Um, we don't know if the boosters are going to ultimately, you know, have the golden rule. He with the gold rules uh, on anything. Sean Miller, um, it's probably more than we'd like to think, but no matter who is making the call, I think they almost have to just say, you know, let it, here, here's what we have no control over what the the IARP is going to do. We should ho- hopefully have the best information we have from our internal investigations. And I'm sure that they never really I'm guessing they never really stop because they're always trying to get better intel and information on where it's going. Um, and they just need to remove <laughs> all the triangulation of every single thing and say, hey, we're putting a foot in the ground. We're stepping in this direction. That's not to say we're not protecting the you know the school and in terms of what stipulations you put in um and maybe it's maybe that means an extra year on the contract for sean miller but it also has an extremely low buyout right um and so there's still upside for him and downside protection for the university and you say hey here's what we're doing we're committing to it uh because otherwise all you're doing is you're stressing yourself out into and into like backing yourself into a corner where you have are left with no good choices. Right. And you know, like, cause if you want to play that game, I can go, I could extrapolate that and be like any high level coach is going to look at how Sean Miller gets treated and say, well, why do I want to walk into that mess? If their whole athletic department doesn't even know what they, you know, they're conversely, they that you know, same athletic department stood by Sean Miller when all this stuff was going down for the last three years. Maybe which, that's appealing. It's <laughs> like well, so but, weird. But it, if you stand by them only to cut him yeah. before there's even any uh, evidence, or, or not evidence uh, is the wrong term, though. I, I still think, <laughs> you know, if the FBI thing taught us anything, there's not really any evidence to Sean Miller, or the FBI would have charged him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least not what they saw. Maybe the NCAA has something different, but... You know, you you end up their 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 own consternation is is actually self serving a downward spiral rather than it's it's more painful. It's going to be more gradual, long term pain than making a decision with the best information available, which is what I think they need to do. And I think the best, unless they have something that we don't know in terms of what's coming from the IARP, you know, I don't I don't know. 
that the logical answer is the extend and and extend with protection with protection you know by that extended warranty yeah i guess well we'll see what happens again we're recording this on march 2nd so by the time you listen to this maybe something is changing and hopefully something has changed one way or another because arizona needs to move forward with its basketball team but in terms of football brett uh a schedule came out they added a couple of recruits for this year and for the coming years let's talk about arizona football after this break Welcome back, and we all knew who Arizona was going to play. It was just a matter of, uh, and we knew where they were going to play. It was just a matter of when they were going to play. The Pac-12 released its schedule on Tuesday, and everybody's looking at Arizona. It's like, oh, that's a really tough schedule. And I'm like, they lost all five games last year. They've lost their last 12 every schedule, unless they moved down a conference into a group of five conference or something. Then maybe you would say that's an easy schedule. It was going to be tough. Arizona, BYU for San Diego, BYU's in Las Vegas then. San Diego State and NU at home at Oregon in a bye week. Home against UCLA at Colorado. Home against Washington on a Friday at USC. Home against Cal. Home against Utah at Washington State on a Friday. Then on the road at ASU to finish the season. I, I'm i not a big schedule guy, Brett, just because I'm like, yeah, it's whatever. You're going to have to play the teams you're going to have to play. And I'm not into picking who's, what's going to be a win, what's going to be not going to win, what's going to be a loss. You know, We don't even know who's going to be the quarterback, so I don't know how anyone can play that game anyway. <laughs> You're, you say you're not really a schedule analysis guy, and I'm even Never less been. than, and I'm even less than you. I actually hate the hot takes of what the <laughs> schedule is hard or easy. Like, there's so much uncertainty, and like you already knew the 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 who who it was going to be. It was just the timing, right? So, like, mm-hmm. sure, in Pac-12 play, opening at Oregon is not exactly an easy uh, opener for for the Jed Fish's Wildcats. My my biggest takeaway, Adam. Um, was the likelihood of me freezing my ass off in Pullman in mid to late November probably skyrocketed because their Arizona Wildcats are traveling there again. Um, and it turned out really well for me and the Wildcats last time that happened because that's right before I can go to the in-laws for, for Thanksgiving. And, you know, last time it was four degrees and down 70 points at halftime, as I recall, or something like that. Oh, that sounds delightful. But <laughs> we all we all know how well the games go. Also, when I travel far for an Arizona football game, so mark that one down as a loss, guys. Yeah, if you're, so if you're going to mark anything, if we're going to play that game, that's already a loss. But I, you know, look at it's like I don't know. Opening up at, I mean, if they were playing UCLA at home, would that be a better Pac-12 opener? <laughs> like, I mean, it's they're a team that has a lot to prove. And Jed Fish, I caught his thing on the Pac-12 network earlier when they released. It was like, yeah, we knew we were going to play. I was just excited to play. You know? So that's kind of how I see this, too, that, yeah, assuming they can actually play the schedule and things are looking, trending that direction, just playing the schedule would be nice. But it's going to be a new team with a new coaching staff, a new quarterback, a new a lot of things, and we don't know what they're going to look like. So we could look at it and say, oh, this is tough, this is tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough until they prove themselves to be better than they were last season. But that doesn't mean I think they're going to go winless. I mean, hey, they get NAU. They get, <laughs> you know, that, that should be a win. So the, the losing streak should, no, it should reach no more than 14 as we stand right now. So that's good. <laughs> you know? But other than that, like, yeah, at Washington State is not a fun, at least that's a Friday game because then you have an extra day to prepare for ASU, so having to travel like that isn't as much of a problem, you know, coming back from Pullman and a late, what's presumably a late game. Um, they have two Friday games. That's okay. You know, I, the bye week's not at a bad time. So it's, 
it's the schedule. And there's a lot of things that Arizona has to figure out. You know, the spring game's coming up in the near future. And just they have to figure out who their team's going to be and what their team's going to be like. And then we can have a better idea of how this schedule may look. But the team itself added some players. I think, what, there's a linebacker that they picked up a transfer from Bowling Green, Jerry Roberts, who is for this year, if I recall. So that's their linebacker depth, which is nice because <laughs> we talked last year. I remember we had Michael Levitt. like, I remember when Arizona had linebackers? And then they went into the season with linebacker. You know, basically, so it's nice to add some players. Uh, Roberts, 6'4", 235 pounds, has 93 career tackles, starting to have tackles for a loss. Not a bad pickup. Guy who has experience. Yeah. So, I, you know, <laughs> you, you, you'd you made the linebackers plural joke. I, quote, retweeted his commitment tweet, and both Jerry Roberts and his father both liked that tweet. So read it <laughs> that way, you will. Um, I think the most interesting thing about Roberts is uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's a grad transfer, so he's eligible immediately, but also has three years of eligibility remaining, which is kind of a fascinating. He'll uh, be a redshirt junior. Yeah, but I, but I think he's a grad transfer. That's why he could play immediately. So eligibility-wise, he's a redshirt junior. Um, or yeah, and the and then this year's it didn't count, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's why he still has three years, right? Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a fascinating pickup in that sense. You know, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a, you know, starter or a, or significant contributor, but Lord knows we need some depth there. Yeah. And a little bit of experience. So nothing wrong with that. And for Don Brown's defense too, what they plan on running, you need your linebackers to have some sense of what they're doing. There's, as we're in the Arkansas on desert storm, Brian Peterson wrote it that, Arizona has 12 scholarship linebackers right now, but nine of whom are either freshmen or sophomores. So it's still a very young linebacker room. So if you can bring in some players with a little bit more experience, and Roberts has played in 20 games, that's something. You know, then, then you take that. Um, Arizona did also pick up a recruitment for 2022 uh, running back Jonah Coleman, who is really like the number two all-purpose back, if I read that correctly, which is... That seems pretty good. He's a high three-star out of California. And you look at it, he had offers from Arizona State, Colorado, Fresno State, Oregon State, San Diego State, San Jose State, Tennessee. So a decent offer list for a smaller running back who's been very, very productive. Arizona, this is the first full class for Jed Fish and his staff. If this is the type of player they're getting, you probably feel pretty good about it. Yeah, 247 Sports has him as a top 500 national recruit which sounds like it's like you know we're used to talking basketball where it's like you want top 25 guys or top 50 guys you know when you have classes of 25 for however many college football programs Mm -hmm. um you know he's like a around top 30 in the state of california number 34 player in california yeah as as in context top 30 players in arizona now are like d1 type athletes and california let's you know Safe to say they have a little deeper uh, reach, um, and I, and so far with with Jonah Coleman, you know, like you said, a high three star guy, you know, a little bit under. If he was five eleven, he might he's probably like a surefire four star. But like, you know, what's two inches between friends? Um, all so far, all three commits for Arizona, I believe, are top one thousand guys. And I'm not sure we had any by the end of the class last year um 
it's so like the, if you're if you're Jed Fish in Arizona's roster, or, or when you look at the roster, you want to have more of those guys that are if they're three stars, they want to be that higher three star, like that five hundred to eight hundred. Sure, the under recruited high three stars, a four star anywhere else, like properly recruited. Yeah, and so you know you look at that and say, okay. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit undersized, but also you look at it and say uh, the new running backs coach, first time as a coach and our official recruiter, Scotty Graham, you know, nice pull for your first uh, first go round. Well, and Arizona's had some success recently with undersized running backs. J.J. Taylor rings a bell. Grant's a different coaching staff now. Coleman, though, sophomore season, 1,587 yards rushing on 143 carries. He had 30 touchdowns. And I watched some of the highlight videos, and Grant, you can make a highlight video of me and make me look somewhat athletic, but he looked really good out there. You know, so and you just need talent like this. And again, it's California. Yep. It's a place where Arizona needs to have success. Where we see the rivals up north have had a lot of success in California. But that should be a recruiting hotbed for Arizona. I know Jed Fishing is hired, like places where people can get a two hour flight and come see the games. You know, California is one of those areas. So to get a player like this, again, the number two all purpose back in the country, you know, that's not a bad pull for this coach. I think you mentioned Scotty Graham, his first time being an actual coach at the college level, helping pull this guy. So we, we're going to see a lot more about their recruiting focus and their recruiting uh, ability over the next little bit of time because as they start to re- pull their entire class, their full class, but the early the early returns are fairly positive and promising. I guess when someone took over, they got all those A&M guys. There's no, like, the, that's the funny thing. They have to earn all these recruits. Now, sure, a lot of them have previous relationships when they were recruiting at different, when they were at different schools, but, it's a little different than when someone took over and they're just like, oh, Grant Connell and Booby Curry and Bobby Wolf. You know, like these are guys that they still have to earn. They have to pull them to Arizona. And it just only helps with that buzz. Now, winning some games, we talked about that schedule a little while ago. Winning, you don't have to make a bowl game this season. But if you can show progress, I mean, obviously winning a game is an improvement. But if you can win four or five games, be competitive, and have some guys put up numbers, then it'll help with that because it'll show that you are moving things in the right direction. So this initial recruiting class, so you hopefully by the time it's put together, like, okay, that's not bad. You're not looking for top 40, but if you could get like a top 50, top 60 class with some upsize, upside, you would take that, I think, based on everything that they have right now. So these high three-star guys, and it's just a start, but you look at Grayson Stovall, Takario Davis, and now Coleman, those are all guys who had options and probably will continue to have options because they're probably underrated right now. I mean, you said, I don't know if you can get top 40, the start of this class is the way you start a class that's a top 40 class. Yeah. Right. Um, like, <laughs> you know, uh, I was just looking up like Jonah Coleman's number 34 on 247 in the state of Arizona. Last year, the top rated recruit we had from Arizona or California was James Bowles. You know where he was as a state rate rating? 88. All right. And James Bowles was our high, second highest rated recruit, according to 247 Sports. That stayed. So, <laughs> that ended up signing with the team. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, you look at that and you say, oh, okay. You know, you infuse some of the talent with the transfers. Um, I think Roberts is like the 10th transfer to be added. Mm-hmm. And you and it, these kind of high three-star guys is how you, you know, you got to supplement it with some star, some stars, like some a couple four-star guys, hopefully. Um, I know there's some other guys that uh, Arizona's rumored to be uh, ahead on. Sean Miller with a W, <laughs> not not our Sean Miller, but potentially our Sean Miller, just spelled differently. As a wide receiver, fairly well regarded out of IMG Academy. Sean, okay, yeah, Sean Miller with a W. I'm like, where does the W go? S H A W N. Okay, 
Like S E W and Son Miller. Like what are we what are we doing here? Man, I pity your editors. Yeah, well, <laughs> so do I. Um, you know, and there's some other guys that are, uh, you know, there's a quarterback from California, and there's a, there's like three or four guys from one high school in California. They're that Arizona's very uh, in on. There's like a legacy tight end that's a four star, a high three star quarterback at the same school. I'm blanking on their names right now. And then there's a probably an out of reach like five star receiver with that same team. But you know, if you start to build some momentum. I don't think top 40 is completely out of the question. Um, but this is this is what we want to have when you have a new coaching staff. You want to be able to say, hey, there's new excitement here, and you got to start it with recruiting, right? Yeah, yeah. It starts with the recruiting, then it gets continued on with winning games and showing progress on the field, and then it just builds on itself. So not bad. We'll take it. You know, it's almost like <laughs> we talked about men's basketball and football, and there's – more certainty in football than there is in men's basketball, and the football team's lost 12 straight and has an entirely new coaching staff. Of course, the women's basketball team's going to be heading off to Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament. Good luck to them. Baseball's been doing a pretty good job, rebounded from their opening struggles, and the softball team is just incredible. As I think men's golf is, like, number one in the country, too, which is impressive because that just doesn't usually happen for Arizona. So a lot of good things happening with Arizona athletics. Of course, we're going to – talk about all of it in the future in the meantime make sure you're following us on twitter at wildcat radio az and of course subscribe to the podcast on itunes spotify where you get your podcast rate review subscribe that's what you want to see but until then like we'll talk to you all next week but until then remember to bear down bear down